Mark, would you open us in prayer? Amen. Open your Bible to chapter 18. I know uh, Pastor Kinney will be mentioning him, but uh, there was at the thank you for praying for me, the sweetheart banquet went well. They didn't uh, tar and feather me and kick me out of the building, so we came out good. And, but there was an unsaved man there. His wife had gotten saved the week before. His name is DJ, DJ Loomis. So if you could remember to pray for him and stuff with that. So they come together. 1 Kings 18. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his home. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Isn't that interesting? He feared the Lord greatly. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water. So he had two caves, fifty prophets in each of them. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all the fountains of the water, and unto all the brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and the mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So he divided the land between them to pass throughout, throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And Obadiah was in the way, and as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and knew him. He knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? And he answered him and said, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what have, I, what have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and the nation, and they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, he cannot find thee, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Wasn't that told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now, behold, thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. Okay, so as you see this going on, we have the story of Elijah now after having three years ministering on a personal level to individuals. He's told there, if you look at Jim, we won't. I don't want to read the whole chapter for the sake of time, but you see in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. He's going before Ahab, the king, when you do that, he's coming before that king's entourage. He's making, it's a public revelation of him. 
And so many times, people, they want... <laughs> pastor Christian taught me. He's my pastor. He's gone home to be with the Lord. He's the only pastor I ever had. He said, Brian, if people want to be up before the people in the church, ask them if they'll clean the toilets. And I go, what? And he goes, if they won't be a servant, they shouldn't get the show. Okay, and so I never forgot that, you know. And here we got Elijah had, had to obey God, you know, so many different times. And he had to learn the obedience and following God's word in smaller miracles, affecting fewer people. Got to remember, look at 1 Kings 17. We have the call of Elijah, but in verses 2 through 7, he's basically he's told to go get thee by the river Cherith, the brook Cherith, before that is before Jordan. So he tells him to go to a brook, and he'll take care of him there. You know, and you have the ravens and stuff, they, they come, you know, I can't imagine. To me, a raven and a crow, the same thing. I know they're not, so don't give me a hard time, okay? But that's not a clean animal. Have that bring my food to me? He's waiting on God. You know what it is? God performed a miracle and fed him miraculously there, and he had water when others didn't. So we see a small miracle. When he obeyed God and went where he was told to go, and he had no great ministry there, he was just told there to go there and wait. And he did. And in verses 12 through 16, he's told to go to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon. That's not Israel, Tyre and Zidon, it's one of the enemies of Israel. And he's told to go there because I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he goes there and she's ready to die because her and her, she's starving to death. She's making, you know, verse 10, so he's got some sticks and she's going to take water and vessel. He asks for water and a vessel and get a drink. And she says in verse 12, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a hand, handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks. They may go and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. If nothing left. So God tells me, Elijah, I'm going to provide for you again. First you were at a brook that ran. And the ravens brought you food. Now... I'm going to send you to a widow woman who's so discouraged and so depressed, she's going to uplift you by her, her encouraging, positive Christian spirit. Go do as I tell you to do. And so he goes, and what does it do? The miracle in Eliza's obedience provided for someone who was so despairing of life that they're ready to die. And... The meal in the barrel didn't fail until God said so. And the cruise of oil didn't fail until God said so. So he's seeing God's provision in that again. And first it was a miracle that provided for him himself. And in his obedience, the next step was he got to see when he obeys, it affects those that he's with. And what happens? The widow woman's son dies. And she's going, well, what'd you do? You're pouring out my sin and now my son is dead? She was just going to let him die, wasn't she? 
She gained a little bit of hope, and trouble came. Problems came. Child gets sick, the child dies. And she makes an accusation against Elijah, and he goes, show me thy son. He lays himself on top of a dead person. And God brings life back into the boy, and he restores her to her, to his mother. So you have a miracle that, you know, a dry brook that provided for Elijah. Elijah obeys. God provides for them materially. Then God provides for that widow relationally because she was by herself and she had no means. And children, Old Testament times, were to provide for their elderly parents. And here she's going to be, my sin, Elijah's going to leave and my son is dead. There's no one near for me. Goes back to despairing. He raises him from the dead. He was there and personally performed a miracle twice. One, they were fed. Two, her son was resurrected. That's a great miracle, isn't it? But how many people did it affect? So you have a dry brook a depleted barrel, and a dead boy. That sounds like an outline of a message to me. And that all happened before he was ready for public ministry. For unto whom much is given, much is... You know what people want? I see it different times. They want attention to be paid. They want, you know, people want to be in the pulpit. Guys, you turn around, young men want to be in the pulpit. Other guys want to be in the pulpit. You know, we, we encourage people to serve, and then they earn the right. And this church trains men better than other churches. That's why we can help other churches, because we allow them to get in the pulpit. But it's a privilege, and it's based off their willing to serve. And we have a lot of men who, who serve and never get in the pulpit. That's not something God's called them to. But if they do, you know what? You don't start in the pulpit. You start in the toilet. All right? You know what Elijah did? He started in the toilet. He did what God told him to do. God blessed him. He did what God told him to do, and God blessed him and some individuals near him. He did what God told him to do, and a young man's life was restored to him. You know what God's saying? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, in the Lord. God's timing. Three and a half years. If you know anything about the Bible, okay, three and a half years is an important time frame. All right, that's not my message this morning, but here he says, go show thyself. He has this obedience that he has to do. And then what, what you have here in 1 Kings 18, 1 through 16, is Elijah and Obadiah. You know what Obadiah, he's a, he feared the Lord. He was a, you know Old Testament saint. He feared the Lord. He was trying to follow the Lord, but he was a compromiser. He feared the Lord, and he feared the king. 
over against what the Lord would have him do. He was afraid. And you find this thing in verses 7 through 16. You know, it was a case. He'd saved a hundred prophets. Remember that. A hundred prophets. He'd saved them from Jezebel. See, because Jezebel was stronger and a whole lot worse than Ahab. But you find he's afraid to tell King Ahab that he saw Elijah. There was a man who was <laughs> become a pastor in a church near here. And we'd helped that church, but the, the church transitioned and they didn't go necessarily in a really good way. And they called a new pastor. And I had heard he was struggling a little bit, so I said, called him up said, I want to pray with you. Let me take you out to lunch. He seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, I knew he was King James. He loved the Lord. It was his first pastorate. You know what he was? He was afraid of his deacon's board. And he said, I said, I'll pick you up. And he says, no, can I meet you at the restaurant? My deacons can't see me with you. I said, okay. Okay. Met him to the restaurant and prayed, and he had told him why, and he goes, Brother, I'm so much in trouble. If I show up in the church without a tie-on, they're after me. He says, I came into the church building in a polo shirt. And next thing you know, the deacons are calling me in. It was a, a board-run church, not a pastor-led. I don't believe in a pastoral dictatorship. Our pastor is not a dictator. And we have a deacon's board. But I don't believe in a board-run church. It's not scriptural. Okay? And this man, he was afraid to be seen with me. If you want to know why, ask me after the service. It was a doctrinal point that they had wrong. I believe I have right, but people can disagree sometimes on minor points of doctrine. But they majored on a minor thing, and so he wasn't, I was supposed to be a heretic. And this is after we'd helped their church when they went through their pastor, their other pastor, dying there. And we filled the pulpit for them. We helped them. New deacons come in, and I was a bad guy. So, I tried to encourage him. I know my wife tried to encourage his wife. I can't remember if I had her buy an outfit for, for his wife because the young guy in his first church not, don't have much. And so she took, took his wife shopping and different things, but she couldn't be seen with my wife. It was a crazy thing. Well, he was only there 10 months. And when he finally took a stand, they drove him out. They drove him out. Because you know, I want you to realize, sometimes you know you get afraid and you let something control you when God's already shown you something different than that. And so you have here, I want you to see, we're going to look at here. He was afraid to tell King Ahab. So you know what it was? He was compromising and wouldn't take a strong stand against evil. He was between two positions, two opinions. Do you know of a church that had trouble with that? Go to Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, And unto the angel of the church that allowed the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither what? Cold nor hot. 
And I would that thou wert cold or hot. If you're cold, he's gonna, he can chase you and restore you back. Okay? If you're hot, he's going to use you and bless you and have you go forward. But when you're kind of in between, you're not taking a strong stand either place. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest thou not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous. Okay, you know what it means to be zealous? Yeah, you're excited. You're going forward. You are identifying with us. You know, my son's played sports. You know what you can't play sports doing? Yeah, I think I'll go out there. Can't do that. You got to put yourself into it. You know what God wants the believer to do? Put yourself into it. You can't get away from that. Okay. He was caught. He feared God, but he also was afraid of man. He was between two opinions. (laughs) You know what? If you spend a lot of time sitting on the fence, a certain part of your body gets very sore. Okay? Our bodies are made to move. They're not made to sit, especially not on a fence. You want a nice, big, wide cushion. Right? But... You sit too long on the fence, it's going to get hurting. Okay, I want you with that, okay? I want you to look at Joshua 24. The book of Joshua, chapter 24. The end of the book. Joshua's coming down to the end of his ministry. Verse 14 of Joshua 24. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. He's saying, turn away from that which was before. I'll give you a New Testament idea how that works. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold. Or, behold, all things, old things are passed away. No, it's... Let me say it, Shannon. <laughs> Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. Oh, I still said it wrong. Mephibosheth tonight, but you know the point. Okay, you're a new creature in Christ. The old things are gone. Go forward, okay? Now watch. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, I'm taking a stand. We will serve the Lord. Okay? Go to James chapter 1. Verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask how? With nothing what? 
being caught between two positions. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is what? In all his ways. Now look at chapter 4, the same book. See if I've got the right passage here. Look at verse 8 of James chapter 4. Draw ye nigh to God, and He will what? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye what? Double-minded. You get caught. You know, double-minded causes people to freeze. They stay in one place and they can't get to where they want to be. They can't get to where God would have them to be. You have to start making decisions and choices. Now, the example of Elijah is learning to make the decisions and the choices based on what has God said to you. Not the preacher. Not your mom and dad. Not your neighbors. Not your buddies you work with or the ones you go to school with, whatever it might be. It's what does God say? Why halt you between two positions? Huh? So you have this, and he, so he compromised. You notice Elijah wasn't afraid to meet Ahab? He told him in the beginning it wasn't going to rain. And he met with him. He had to take Elijah learning from the small miracles in his life. And if you don't know that there's miracles in your life, you're looking at them in the wrong way. You need to look at some of the little miracles in the day-to-day, what God does. Little things that you see, oh, God did have my back. Or did God, God did provide. Not in the way I thought, but he did. Those are little miracles. Well, Elijah got to see those. So when it came time for his public ministry and he had to stand against somebody who was going against God, he was leading Israel, his wife, Jezebel. She, had, she took care of 400 false prophets of the groves. You know, there was the 450 prophets of Baal and then there was the 400 prophets of the groves. They ate at her table. She gave them special provision. They were perverting a nation that was supposed to be a theocracy. Fancy name for God ruling. And he had to stand against that. He had to stand He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to tell them the truth. You know why? Because when he obeyed and he looked at it, he was willing to see that God was with him. Look at Joshua chapter 1. Now Moses, God's servant, is dead. You know, okay? And Joshua's taken over for him. Verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people, sh- for un- unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. He's saying, "What, Joshua? I've called you to do this. You need to step up. You've been a good servant. You've been a good second man. Now it's time for you to take the reins." 
Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses thy servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. You know what he's telling them to do? Joshua, you're going to lead the people. Lead him the people according to my word. Amen? Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that is written therein, for thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. And all that thing he's told him to do is because of this one thing at the end of the verse 9. For the Lord thy God is what? Whithersoever thou goest. You know, this world blames Christians when things go wrong. And it's problem instead of their own sinful behavior. You know, Nero blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. Who started the fire? That hasn't changed in all of man's history. You know what the ills of this country are based on? You homophobic, or phobic, transgender phobic, whatever phobic you want to put there, Christians. Because you believe God doesn't love all sin. That's what it comes down to. And we get blamed. You know, part of the reason that God takes the church out in the rapture before the great tribulation is because you know what it'd be like for his children in it. Every flood, every plague, it'd be my fault. It would. Then you couldn't go to Ruby Tuesdays with me. It's just the way that works. They blame it on the Christian. They have through the year. They, they blame it on God's chosen people, Israel, don't they? This is an adult Sunday school class. Our colleges are defending people who put babies in microwaves and then blame the Jews. And then they blame us because any nation that wants to have success better support Israel. It's really not a challenge. See, because, you know, the problem is we think it's between us and someone else. Now, Elijah could have thought it was between him and Ahab. Obadiah thought it was between him and Ahab. You know what Elijah knew? Elijah knew it was between the Lord God, creator God of the universe, and Baal. And Baal. Most of our challenges, when we get out away from our own, you know, when you mess up, it's your choice in your flesh, and you sin and you know it, and you get caught. It's your fault. But a lot of other stuff that comes into your life, you've you got to realize that's because there's a spiritual battle. If you're going to identify with God, you're in crosshairs. You're in the crosshairs. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See where the battle is? Elijah stepped out because he remembered that God had answered so many times before him before and that God would do it again. He'd known that in the past of God's chosen people, God had answered by fire. Do you realize that? Look at Leviticus chapter 9. This is with Moses. And they're turning around and they're making a, a sin offering, a burnt offering, and a peace offering. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22. And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from the offering of the sin offering and of the burnt offering of the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came what? A fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when the, all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. That's in their history. All right? David had built an altar unto the Lord, offered burnt offerings, peace offerings, and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of the burnt offering. That's in 1 Chronicles 21, 26. You know what I'm saying there? I just quoted you a passage because God's going to do it again in the nature of the children of Israel. So then we get into our story and what you have is the public ministry. He has to come before Ahab. And he says, not, this is not going to rain until I say so. Right? And he turns around and you find that they, after Obadiah gets Ahab there, they meet. And look at verse 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Oh, he's got to blame it on God's people. Right? And he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that thee have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. He's saying, bring them all here. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to bring them all there. In the prophets of Baal, 450. In the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. And Ahab sent to all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people. And you have the same issue again that Obadiah had. How long halt ye between what? Two positions. If the Lord be God, follow him. That was your memory verse. How long halt ye before, between two positions, right? Two opinions. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, I want you to understand, even though Elijah's doing 
he's following God in this. You know, he got to a place and he says, I'm the only one that's going through this. You know what we tend to do? We tend to think we're the only ones that are going through that. There's people who think, well, this is the only good church. No, there's a lot of good churches. Okay? I, only I. Do you ever look at your Bible and you read it and notice things? Okay? There was a hundred that Obadiah had rescued, so he's not alone, is he? Right? Now look at chapter 19 of 1 Kings. Jezebel makes him afraid, and he's running for his life. The angels minister to him. Okay, verse 9. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, Elijah, what doest thou here? Jesus is talking to him. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. This, is after he, this chapter is after he's had a victory over 850 of them. Okay, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves. Children who have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain the prophets with the, word, with the sword. And what does he say? And I, even I only, am left. And then God shows him he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the fire, he's not in the great wind, but in a still small voice. Are you listening to that voice? Look at verse 14 of 1 Kings 19. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life. Look at verse 18 of that chapter. This is God telling them. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he's doing what God would tell him, but all of a sudden you start thinking, I'm going to stand strong for you, but it's like no one knows what I'm going through. Man, there's nothing new under the sun. I am not trying to put down anything that someone's going through, but I want you to know there's someone else who's also gone through that too. And if they've had and they've given it to the Lord, you know what God's going to do with that? Blessed be God the fathers of mercy and the God of all comfort who covered you, comforts you in any tribulation that ye may be able to comfort others where would the comfort ye yourselves are comforted of God. You never know what God's going to use when you give it to him and let him be used of you. So he has this battle, you know, and we won't have to read the whole story, okay? but you notice that God answered from heaven by fire multiple times. He could do it again, couldn't he? In that battle, he tells the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves, you come and I'll let you go first. And we'll both give a sacrifice of a bullock and you can cut them and put them on your altar and you can put the, fu- the wood under it, but you can't start a fire. And I'll give you all day for your God to bring fire down from heaven and burn it up. And it doesn't happen. And they went to extremes. You know what they did? They cut themselves. You know what was a problem with young people today? 
The cutters don't even understand there's a spiritual connotation to that. The background and the history. It happens because they're following false ideas. We minister to them. You know what becomes physically addicting to cut? You want to know about that? Ask me after service. I'll explain to you the medical side of that. What happens with the brain chemistry when people cut themselves. So he turns around and they have that battle and he tells them you can't put fire under it and they pray all day. And you know, look at verse 28. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancelets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, and the midday was past, that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice nor any answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah came, said unto all the people, Come near in, unto me. And all the people came near, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. He took his twelve stones, because he wants unity, a stone for each of the tribes. It's not something that was taking place in Israel at that day. Twelve stones, once for each of the tribes. You know what God wants amongst God's people? Unity. And the stones he built an altar named the Lord. He made a great trench. Okay, but he did this after he mocked them. Well, I don't think Christians ought to talk that way. <laughs> Verse 27, And it came to pass at noon that Elijah, what? Mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey or prevent your sleep and must be awaked. <laughs> you want a really good translation of that? Go to the Living Bible. Really good translation. This is maybe he's on the toilet. That's how messed up that is. And people use that as their Bibles. They use that in addiction programs. Living Bible. Peraventure's on the toilet. <laughs> he, but he's mocking him. That takes it even farther, doesn't it? Okay, you know what that is? That's a stinking translation. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. So he challenges them. Then he turns around and he says, God's going to work. You know something? You want God to work? Put yourself out there. Take a step to glorify God that if it doesn't work out you're going to look kind of stupid. So what does Elijah do? He tells me, tells me go get barrels of water. He builds the altar. He, sack, he kills the bullock. He puts it there. The wood's there. The altar's there. And then he pours barrels of water on the, the wood and on the sacrifice. He does it once. He does it twice. He does it what? One for each part of the Godhead. And then he prays. Fire comes down. They dug a trench that filled up with water. There's so much water there. Fire comes down from heaven and it licks up the sacrifice. It licks up the wood. doesn't even leave a pile of ashes. And it dries up all the water that even filled the trench. There was so much water around that. He took a stand for God. They tried everything. They couldn't get attention. You know what? Sometimes the devil likes making fools out of people. And they think they can depend upon him. I've ministered to Satanists before. 
I watched a young man who was saved because it didn't happen fast enough for him go online and start looking for witchcraft stuffs so he could make, and he's saved. He's got the snot kicked out of him in his life multiple times because he won't do right. And whom the Lord loveth he? It helps me know he's saved. It just doesn't go well for him. He turns his way. He went to witchcraft stuff. All because he wanted a girl to pay attention to him. He ended up in jail. I go visit him in the visitor's room in the Wayne County Jail. I look at him and I said, how's it working out for you now? He's one of those persons that I told, if you continue in what you're doing, I don't want to be right, but God's going to get your attention. He did. Two years behind bars. He turned around with this. You know, God, Satan will make a fool of you. He will. It seems like there's power there, but it's a lie because he is the destroyer. The thief has not come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what it is. Okay? Psalm 115, verses 1 through 8, it says this. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and for thy true sake, wherefore should the heathen say, Where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They make them, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Judy and I got to see it multiple times. Uh, Steve and Don are here this morning in India. The false gods, 3,300,000 false gods. We've been to some of their temples. It's kind of hairy when you witness the people, Hindus, outside a temple because we did that. And Paul's saying, you can't say any more, preacher. We've got to leave or they're going to kill us. And they're sacrificing the false gods. At the end of this chapter, verses 30 through 46, he's dealing with Israel. Okay? He told them, how halt ye between two opinions? You're going to follow Baal? Follow him. But if the Lord is God, then follow him. We've already given you the verses on it. You can't go between two positions. Give you one more. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 30. This Jesus is speaking. He said, He that is what? Is what? Against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Elijah calls them. They kill the 850 prophets. 450 prophets of Baal. 400 prophets of the groves.
He's just serving God. Sometimes you have to put something to death in your life for God to continue to bless later on. And they had to make a choice. James chapter 5, I'm going to read. You don't need to turn there. Verse 14, because we're about done. I've used this in my personal ministry to people. There are certain things in God's Word that crosses dispensations. Okay? Verse 14 of James chapter 5. Is there any sick among you? Let him call upon for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall what? And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a what? Availeth what? Elias, and here's the illustration, it's Elijah. Elias was a man subject to like passions as, as we are. He's like us. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, that's what Elijah was doing, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Lesson of this morning. Sometimes unless we're willing to go through certain disciplines by obeying God and learning in the little miracles, a dry brook, a depleted barrel, a dead boy, we'll never have the victories like they have in Mark, that Elijah had at Mount Carmel. You know what you think? Start with the small things. If you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the... You know what that comes down? Teach your children to obey you. You're not their friend, you're your parents. They're their, you're their parents. Private prayer time. If you're a couple, devotions together. Doing right when no one's around. And then God can use you when it's of great importance. He used Elijah. He used a shepherd boy who was faithful in protecting his sheep. Killed a lion and a bear. And he took on the giant of the enemies of God. Chapter 18 starts with a phrase. What God's saying to Elijah. You know what that is? Go show thyself. And all God's people said, take a break.